Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope. We are glad that you're here. Those of you in the room, those of you joining us online, we're glad you're here too. And uh, we like to begin our services with this greeting Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. Thanks, thanks. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, my name is Rich Schmidt. I'm one of the pastors here, and I would love to lead us in a quick prayer as we begin. God, thank you. Uh, Thank you for this Memorial Day weekend. Thank you for the end of school. Thank you for the beginning of summer. Uh, Thank you for all the good gifts that you give us in this life. And uh, and God, thank you that you meet us right here, as we just said. Uh, God, we pray that you'd help us to be aware of your presence with us. Uh, because for some of us, today is a, is a joyous occasion, a, a great moment to celebrate. Uh, for some of us, we walk into this time, into this place with heavy hearts, uh, with real concerns weighing on us, with grief that won't let go, or with uh, anxiety about something coming up. And, and uh, God, I pray that you would help us uh, just during this next hour to be open to you so that we can connect with the God who made us, the God who loves us. The God who has come near to us in your son, Jesus Christ, and the God who has has come right to us today, who has drawn us into this moment by your Holy Spirit. God, give us eyes to to see what you want us to see, ears to hear what you want us to hear. Uh, Give us voice that we can uh, say to you the things that we need to say so that we can receive your grace and your love today. We are so grateful, God. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you're interested, Abel, let's stand and let's sing as we begin. Surely, 
wrestling in my doubts in my failures you won't walk out your great love will lead me through you are the peace in my troubled sea you are the peace in my troubled sea John 8, 12, that whoever follows him shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Lighthouse carries the beating heart of that life and the hope that is found in Jesus. Just like a lighthouse, his light eclipses our darkness. Can sin, who knew no sin, that we might become his righteousness. He humbled himself and carried the cross. Love so amazing, 
Amen. Let's continue that prayer this morning. Lord, you truly are the Messiah, the Lord of all, who came to us in all of our mess and all of our stuff and all of the, the, the gloriousness of this life that you've given us, Father. I thank you, Lord, that you truly are the Lord of all. That you, the King of Kings, <clears throat> would love us so much that you would make a way for us to know you, to make a way for us to be with you, to make a way for us to be your, called your sons and your daughters. What a great and amazing and mighty thing that, that we, when we stop and think, Lord, we deserved at least of all, and yet you gave so much for us. You gave everything, including your life. Father, we, we thank you for that sacrifice. We thank you for all that you've done. We thank you for all that, that you've blessed us with. Lord, for freedoms that sometimes we tend to take for granted. Lord, I know this weekend is a it's a fun time for many of us, a time when families gather and we spend time together. But Lord, I thank you for the men and the women in our lives, in our communities, part of our country, Lord, that also sacrificed for their families who have gone on without them. Lord, I pray that you would be with each one today for people who have loved those who sacrificed, that you would be a comfort. And may we especially remember in these, these next couple of days the blessings that you've bestowed on us as, as people and as a, as a nation, Lord. They didn't come lightly. And we thank you, Father, for the, the, the example that they are to us of your sacrifice for us. Lord, I know that some of us are going to go into a difficult week, difficult days, but I am thankful, Lord, that you are going with each one of us, that you are going to walk along with us no matter what is happening, no matter what's going on. And I know, Father, that there's things going on in the world. There's things that are happening that, that can really be troubling, can really be frightening. But, Lord, we rest in the assurance that you are not surprised or caught off guard by anything that's happening in our lives, in our, in our cities, in our neighborhoods, in our nation, or in the world. And you are in it all and through it all. And you, Lord, are going to bring about your kingdom one way or the other we may not see it necessarily not in our lifetimes but lord we can trust that you will reign supreme in all things and what a great hope and assurance that is for us that lord we don't have to be afraid we don't have to live in fear we don't have to live wondering if you're going to work all this stuff out we can live, Lord, knowing that there is hope in this life and in the next. For that, we give you all the blessing, honor, and glory. And we pray these things, Lord, trusting in you, hoping in you, believing in your blood that you shed for us, Lord, for salvation and for, <clears throat> for our eternity with you. For all this, we give thanks, and we pray them in your name. Amen. And amen. Amen. Well, the peace of the Lord be with you. Take a few moments and pass the peace amongst yourselves. Hopefully everybody uh, got one of those little bulletin type things when you came in, let you know what's going on around here these days. And there's some notes for this morning's message. Looks like this. If not, I think, uh, yeah, I see some back there on that table. Uh, and uh, yeah, so... Um, if the, but by way of announcements, uh, just wanted to remind you that uh, today is the last shot for getting these baby bottles back. 
Uh, we've been giving these out. Uh, it's called Baby Bottle Boomerang. That we send, we give them to you to take home and fill them with whatever gift you want to give to the Women's Center of Northwest Indiana, and then bring them back by the end of the month. We do this every uh, Mother's Day, uh, and Stacy and I always make a gift kind of in honor of our own moms who chose life for us. Uh, the Women's Center basically comes alongside women who might uh, might otherwise not do that, uh, who are struggling with the, their situation and uh, and their pregnancy, and so they they've got offices all over Northwest Indiana just to come alongside these ladies and let them know they have other options and to give them the support they might need to, to choose life. So if you want to know more about them, you can go to their website, friendsofthewc.org, and uh, uh, yeah, find out more, or you can donate there, uh, or you can drop a little something in one of those baby bottles and just leave it back by the offering box. Uh, if you're giving today, by the way, that's where you drop that, uh, back in the offering box. And uh, if you have a question or a way that we can pray for you, you can grab one of those little cards back there and jot it on there, or you can go to livinghope.info slash connect, and, uh, and you can fill that out online little digital connect card. And uh, today is a, a bit of a transition day for lots of folks, right? Uh, some of you, uh, the lucky ones, have opened your pools, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, a whole lot of kids are celebrating that uh, school is out and summer is here. Some are celebrating graduations, uh, either from uh, high school or from college. And we've got a couple of teenagers here in our church that have been with us, uh, well, Otto for the last year, Celeste for the last semester, who are exchange students, and for them, this transition means uh, heading back home as well. So Celeste back to France and Otto back to Brazil. And uh, I just want to say, guys, it's been a joy having you as a part of our church and as a part of the youth group. I know all the other teens have loved having you here, and, uh, and it seems like you've enjoyed being here too, right? Little, yeah, okay, most of the time, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so I, I almost wanted us to take a second to, uh, to pray and ask God to bless them as they leave us here and head back home. Is that okay? Can we do that? All right. God, thank you for the ways uh, that you're at work in our lives. And you take us to, to new and different places. You give us experiences we might uh, not have ever had any other way, but that you are guiding us uh, into them. And uh, God, you have brought Otto and Celeste into our church's life, uh, into uh, the Valparaiso area uh, for this last school year. And God, we thank you. We pray that there will be all kinds of good that they take home with them to France and to Brazil. Uh, that this past year has been uh, just full of different things that they've learned and different ways that you have helped them to grow as individuals. And God, I thank you for the things they have brought to our church and to our youth group. Uh, thank you for uh, all of the many ways that your grace flows into our lives through other people. So God, I thank you for the ways that we have seen your grace at work in Celeste and in Otto. And uh, God, I pray that your spirit would continue to go with them. Keep them safe as uh, over the next week or so they make their way back home. Um, help them to um, well, just to enjoy uh, getting to be back with family and with friends. And, uh, and God, we pray not just for them, but for all students who are going through all kinds of different transitions right now, whether it's just to a different kind of summer schedule from school, whether it's a graduation, moving on to something new, uh, whatever it might be, God. Uh, we pray that you would continue to guide and direct and strengthen and grant, uh, grant peace uh, in the midst of what sometimes can be pretty uh, anxious circumstances. Um, God, you are good, and we know you have good things planned for us and for all of these students. Uh, oh, and I guess we should pray for the teachers and for the parents too. Uh, please help them, God, as they move to a, a different kind of schedule and a different kind of life over these summer months. Uh, you are good, and we're trusting you uh, that you have good things to do in our lives and, and that there are good things you want to say to us right now through the scriptures. So help us to have ears open to hear from you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So thanks again, guys. And I know they had a little party and stuff to celebrate already yesterday, I think, and, and uh, all that good stuff. So, um, <clears throat> All right, so today is a transition for us, too, as a church, because we are wrapping up one big chunk of the Bible. Uh, this year, we're doing this, uh, this um, big look at the Bible uh, journey from Genesis in January to Revelation in December, and um, getting to kind of a, well, one, each month we're looking at a different book of the Bible, all right? And uh, so we're only going to look at 12 of them out of the 66, uh, but hopefully we'll be able to get a kind of a bird's eye view of the, the big story. And this year, we did this eight years ago, similar kind of a thing, and um, my hope is that not only will this give us kind of a big picture of like the whole story of the Bible, uh, but that each month we'll be able to dig in a little bit into whatever book that happens to be. If you're wanting to start for next week, next week uh, we will start the book of Job, all right? It's one of the wisdom books in the Bible, and uh, an interesting one. It's, it's almost like, uh, 
Well, it really pairs well with Deuteronomy, all right? Uh, It's almost like Deuteronomy and its message of blessings and curse, and if you obey God, life will go well, and if you disobey God, things will will not go well. It's like uh, the authors of the Bible put a big asterisk after that and said, you know, see Job, Uh, because Job comes along and provides kind of a a contrasting view to that. Uh, So Job will be all kinds of fun. We'll start that next week. But today we're, we're finishing up the first five books of the Bible, which is the center of the Hebrew Scriptures, the Torah, the, the Pentateuch, the five books of Moses, whatever word you want to put on that. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy are the, the heart of the Hebrew Scriptures. And um, our, our Jewish neighbors divide their Scriptures into three parts, the Torah, the, the prophets, and the writings. And, uh, and the Torah is, the, is kind of the heart of it, and all the rest flows from it. So this, this story from Genesis of God creating all of humanity uh, through to Exodus as he rescues his people from slavery in Egypt and leads them all the way from Exodus through Leviticus and Numbers, now to Deuteronomy, to the promised land, the land he's promised to give way back in Genesis to give to them. Uh, that's where we are at Deuteronomy, and we're finishing off Deuteronomy as well. And uh, so I wanted us to look kind of at one of the major themes of Deuteronomy, which is this idea of there being blessings and curses. Uh, that if you follow God, if you obey God, if you obey his commands, Moses says to the people over and over again, then there will be all these blessings. You know, all these different ways God will bless you. And if you disobey him, then there are all these curses. It, it kind of echoes the language that was used right at the beginning of the whole thing. Not the beginning of Deuteronomy, the beginning of the whole Bible, the beginning of the Torah, the beginning of Genesis. You remember God creates uh, all that there is and creates uh, human beings, male and female, and then he blesses them and tells them, be fruitful and multiply. Uh, So from the very beginning, there are blessings and there are commands. And as he places them in the garden, he tells them, look, you can eat from all these different trees, but don't eat from that one, the knowledge of good and bad, or you'll surely die. And when they disobey God and they eat from that tree, they believe the lie that the serpent told, uh, then they find themselves cursed. And God pronounces curse on, curses the serpent, curses the ground, doesn't curse them, but curses the, the environment they will have to live in. And the way life will go is not going to be full, as full of blessing as it might otherwise have been. And so the author of Deuteronomy is kind of pulling this theme from the very beginning of the book, or the beginning of the Torah, and saying, now, now we have this, almost like a second chance, right? Now you have this choice. Because they're just getting ready to enter into the promised land. They're just on the, on the cusp of it, right? They're, they're at the edge. Of the, it's almost like, uh, this is kind of like the pep talk, right, that the coach is giving before the game, all right? So he's got the team all gathered around, right? And they're about to get out on the field. They're about to cross the Jordan River and move into the promised land. And, uh, you know, the, the last, last year's team uh, didn't go well right? The, the previous generation disobeyed God, decided not to go in, didn't even want to play on the field, uh, said, nope, we can't do this. Let's just head back to the locker room. And so then they had to wander around for 40 years and all of that that we've talked about before. But now we've got a new chance. Here we go. We're back in the championship game. And this pep talk Moses gives, I got to say, it's pretty bad. All right. It's just, it's just not a good pep talk because what he says is, you know, look, if you obey God and obey all these rules and keep the covenant that, uh, that we are reconfirming here today, uh, then God will bless you and all these blessings. If you disobey, there's all these curses. And, uh, and then Moses says over and over, God says it, Moses says it repeatedly as you make your way through Deuteronomy, um, says, and uh, you know what? We know you're not going to do it. <laughs> we know you're going to fail. Like, we know you're going to lose. You're going to lose this game. You guys can do it. It's, it's, we can do it. Let's get out there. Although, you know what? I know you're going to lose. <laughs> it's like, don't say that. No, don't say that before they go on the field. Don't tell them you know they're going to lose. But that's what Moses does over and over again. Um, he, he just tells them. And I suppose if you're reading the whole story, if you're going back from the beginning of Genesis, there's, there's not really any reason to expect that they're going to win, right? That they're going to choose life, that they're going to choose to obey God. Because from the beginning of the story, Adam and Eve, they disobeyed God, right? And there were consequences, but God was merciful and God was gracious and cared for them. And it's like the whole story is just a, a cycle, a period, over and over and over again of disobedience, failing the test of, of the people of God, not living up to their potential, not doing what they could do, choosing not to trust God, but choosing to veer off and, and sin, follow other gods, to, to not trust the God who created them and rescued them and is leading them uh, to this promised land. 
So really, there's nothing in the story that would make us think that they're going to do any better this time. And, and then you got Moses and God both saying, yeah, and you're not going to make it. You know, here's all these blessings and all these curses. And, and, uh, and it seems to, they seem to say, you know, you're going to experience these blessings for a while. You're going to move into the land. Everything's going to be good. You're going to be blessed. God's going to provide for you. It's going to be a beautiful thing. Uh, but then these curses are going to come. And, uh, and I, I kind of imagine uh, the way the curses are described, it, it really matches the actual history of Israel. All right? What, what comes next in the story? And so whether you, uh, we know that this story was all written down much later. We know that this took its final form sometime after Moses died and after the people of Israel had been in the land for a while because there are different clues in the text. I mean, you get to the end and Moses dies and there's like, <clears throat> you know, you know, Moses didn't write that part, right? It's not like, you know, and then Moses died. And it doesn't like end like that or something. You know, it <clears throat> talks about Moses' death and handing it off to Joshua and, and entering into the, into the land and all of that. I mean, it, it sets things up. And, and there are different things that, that tell us like, and, and nobody knows where his grave is located even to this day. It's like, even, even to what day? So this is like written much, much later. And, um, and the way things are described, describing basically the exile that the people of Israel experienced makes people think like, you know what, this probably reached its final form way down the line somewhere, or at least the people who edited it and compiled it and put it all together and with Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and all the rest, um, that they were describing this in a way that, that the people reading it much later would be able to see themselves in this story right, unmistakably. Like there'd be no way for them to avoid seeing themselves and their history in this story. Because... Well, like, listen to this. This is Deuteronomy chapter 30. Um, he says, when all these blessings and curses I have set before you come on you. So again, it's not if, right? It's like when. When you get blessed and then when you experience the curses because you're going to disobey. And you take them to heart wherever the Lord your God disperses you among the nations. And when you and your children return to the Lord your God and obey him with all your heart and with all your soul, according to everything I command you today, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where he scattered you. Even if you've been banished to the most distant land under the heavens, from there the Lord your God will gather you and bring you back. He's describing what God actually does later in the story as the nation of Israel disobeys God, wanders from God, and he allows first the Assyrians and then the Babylonians to conquer them and haul them off into exile. Uh, which has been described earlier in the book as part of the curses. Like, if you disobey God, then this will happen. And sure enough, they experience that. So imagine for a second uh, that you're one of those people living in exile, living in this distant land. And you're hearing this story told. And you're remembering, like, yep, we failed. Yeah, we failed again. Yeah, oh, and yep, now we're getting what comes to us. You know, we're, we're getting the consequences for disobeying God. That's why we've been, you know, cast out of the land. That's why we're living as slaves in this foreign foreign country but Moses is saying when that happens if you take these things to heart when you return to the Lord then God will restore you have compassion and gather you back he says uh, where are we verse 5 he'll bring you yeah he'll bring you to the land that belonged to your ancestors and you will take possession of it he will make you more prosperous and numerous than your ancestors so it's kind of looking back already in the story, they haven't yet entered the land, but he's already looking down the road to like the people who are blessed in the land. So they'll make you even more prosperous and numerous than them. The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul and live. So he's, he's letting these folks know, I mean, in the, in the story as we're following it, this is the the. People of Israel not yet entered the land. They're getting ready to go. And Moses is telling them, come on, choose life. Let's do this. Follow God, and you'll be blessed. Disobey God, you'll be cursed. And he's already kind of said, but I know you're not going to do it. Right? So from their, from their perspective, it's like, okay, <laughs> I guess we're going to try. But, you know, you've already told us we're not going to make it. But, but they try. You know, they, they give it a shot. But I think, like, from the perspective of the people much later who are living in exile, this is like, good news. They've already experienced the blessings and the curses. They've already been cast out of the land. And some of them, I'm sure, were thinking like, well, we blew it. You know, that was our story. God was good to us, took us out of slavery in Egypt, gave us this good land, and eventually we got in there, and then we blew it. And we couldn't maintain it. We couldn't keep following God. Uh, we had our shot. Oh, well. 
you know, game's over, we lost. But they're being told, no, no, you, you still have a chance. You still have a chance to choose a life of blessing. You still have a chance to, to return to God. He will be gracious. And, and he will do more than that. Back there to verse 6, it said, The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul and live. See, God's going to do something to the inside of you to help you do better this next time. It wasn't enough just for you to know, like, here's what God wants and to have this kind of external rule set out in front of you. He said, your, your hearts were were hard, your hearts were wandering, you, you just continued to disobey God, but God is going to do something to your hearts. He will circumcise your hearts. Now, that's a weird uh, image, I guess, right? I mean, <laughs> circumcision was something that God uh, gave to them. Uh, we're not going to go into any detail because there are some younger people in the room, but that was something that God gave them as something to, a way to, to mark them off as a, as a unique people in their day. And, um, and some scholars look back and say, you know what, this was, God gives this uh, command to Abraham after the whole incident with the slave woman and their basically sexual abuse of her to try to have children through her when they weren't having children together, Abraham and Sarah. And, and so maybe there's a way that God is saying, no, 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 you got to trust me for this, not in your own ability to produce offspring. And, and uh, oh, sorry, I'm making a hand motion there. That, anyway, uh, <clears throat> But now, so this cutting away of flesh with circumcision, that they use this analogy to say, God's going to cut something away from your heart. Uh, he's going he's to make your heart, somehow make your heart pure, make your heart uh, able to love him with all that you are and to live. Now, the people that earlier in Deuteronomy, this comes up one other time in Deuteronomy chapter 10, where they're commanded to circumcise their hearts. So they're told, do this. Um, Quit being so stiff-necked, he says. Circumcise your hearts and trust God. Uh, it gets picked up again by one of the prophets, Jeremiah, uh, in Jeremiah chapter 4. You can read it later if you want to, uh, where, again, they're commanded to circumcise their hearts. as a way of, It's like a way of saying, like, you've got to point your heart directly toward God and cut away this part of your heart that wants to wander away from him. But here, he's saying this is a work that God's going to do. God is going to do something to the inside of you, to that, that part of you that uh, is the center of your, as we looked at a few weeks ago, uh, when we looked at the Shema, the hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. Um, that The heart is not just like where we feel stuff, but it's the center, the way they conceived it, the, their heart is the center of where you make your decisions and the, the center of your, of your affections, your allegiance, all of that. Um, and so God is saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut away something. I'm going to change your heart so that you can actually love me with all that you are, so that you can, in fact, live. Uh, the Apostle Paul picks this up in Romans chapter 2. Sorry, this isn't in your notes. Uh, but, uh, this idea that circumcision, he's, he's dealing with how do these Jewish believers in Jesus and these uh, non-Jewish believers in Jesus, how do they come together? And so the Jews and the Gentiles, he's trying to help them understand that, like, you know, the Gentiles don't all have to convert to Judaism and get circumcised and follow all the laws that God gave to Moses. That He says circumcision is a, is a circumcision of the heart. It's, a, it's an inward change that matters. And that gets picked up again Jeremiah mentions this uh, in another place, but Ezekiel is the one I chose to quote for you in your notes. Uh, the prophet Ezekiel, who comes much later as the people are living uh, in exile, he says something very similar to what Moses says in Deuteronomy 30. He says, uh, this is God speaking, for I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I'll cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Saying, your heart's been hard. It hasn't been responsive to God. I'm going to remove that. I'm going to give you a heart of flesh, a heart that is responsive, a heart that can beat with God's heart. And I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. That's an image, uh, a beautiful image that's been given to them from from way back in the Torah, this idea that you'll be my people and I'll be your God. We will live together well. 
and you will experience the blessing that comes from living life in God's world the way God intended. I mean, that's kind of the idea behind the blessings and the curses, is that when we, when we live in God's world the way God intended, we get to experience the, the blessings of God, that it, it just it works that way. I've heard some people talk about it like living um, along the grain of the universe instead of going against the grain of the universe. Now, I'm not a big wood cutter guy. I don't do that stuff, you know, so I don't really know how that, that so all I can think of, the closest thing I can think of to that is, uh, is eating meat. Uh, <laughs> and when I've got meat on my plate, I'm, I'm often too lazy to go get the big knife, and so I'm just trying to cut with my fork, you know, and, uh, and if I'm trying to cut against the grain of the meat, it's like really hard to do, but if I cut with the grain of the meat, it like just falls apart, and it's delicious, and all the rest, okay? So anyway, whatever you need to think of there, the idea uh, <clears throat> that I think is being presented here is that when we live in God's world the way God intended, when he, when he tells us which way to go and we trust him and we go that way, when God says life will go better if you do this and if you avoid that, then when I do this and avoid that, he's right. Life goes better. And that's what God wants for all of us. The trouble is oftentimes we know what we need to do and we have trouble doing it. All right? You could read... Um, what the Apostle Paul says later in Romans chapter 7 and in chapter 8. Don't read chapter 7 without continuing into chapter 8, all right? Because chapter 7 is where Paul struggles, and he describes the struggle of, like, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I keep not doing it. There's this power of sin at work within me, and, and woe is me. Who will rescue me from this body of death? And it's in chapter 8 that he really goes into detail and says, it's Jesus, and it's God's Spirit at work within me that helps me then to choose life, that helps me to live a life that's pleasing to God so I don't give in to those more base desires and I instead do what God wants me to do. Or as, uh, as he said to the Philippians in his letter, I just pulled this one little line out of Philippians chapter 2 where he says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. This is a work that God does in the human heart. He doesn't just give us a bunch of laws and say, follow these and life will go well, uh, but realistically, you're not going to follow them. You keep not following them, so I'm just kind of setting you up for failure here. No, no, God actually works in us to give us the desire to follow God and the power to live a life that pleases Him, to live in God's world according to the way God would have us to live. To, to continue with Deuteronomy chapter 30, he says, The Lord your God will put all these curses on your enemies who hate and persecute you. So this is after, you know, God has circumcised your hearts and you're back in the land and, and God is blessing you once again. You will again obey the Lord and follow all his commands I'm giving you today. Then the Lord your God will make you most prosperous in all the work of your hands and the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock and the crops of your land. The Lord will again delight in you and make you prosperous just as he delighted in your ancestors. If you obey the Lord your God and keep his commands and decrees that are written in this book of the law, and turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. He's saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this work in you so that you can do it. And then you still got to do it. You still got to live in a, in a way that, that honors me, and I would be happy to bless you. I'd be happy to give you a beautiful life. Now, as I said, I know there are some of you that are thinking like, Okay, so I've obeyed God and I've done all this stuff in my life and it's going to be beautiful. You know, I've experienced some stuff that sounds like it's more on the cursed side of the ledger. Um, that's what the book of Job's all about, okay, next week. So if you feel like this is a little overly simplistic, this whole obey God and be blessed, disobey God and be cursed, that's what Job is all about, all right? So we will get there next week. Having said that, there's still truth to this. I mean, I've experienced it in my own life. Some of you have too. Just somebody Wednesday night in our discussion group uh, was just saying, um, <clears throat> they were talking to their, their kid, their adult child. And they were saying, just kind of testifying, basically. Uh, they're trying to get their kid to like, <laughs> they said, you need Jesus. You know, like, what are you talking about? I said, well, look, for me, she said, my, my life was kind of messed up. And it wasn't until I started focusing on Jesus and trusting him and following him and doing what he calls me to do, that's when my life started to come together and started to make sense and things started to, you know, work. And many of you can tell that story, you know, because you've, you've been where the people of Israel were. You've, you've seen in your own life, your story has repeated the same story of the people of Israel in the Torah. Like, yeah, I had a shot and I messed it up. And God was, was kind to me and gracious and gave me another shot and I messed it up. And, you know, sometimes we, we go through several cycles of that. 
before we finally say, God, please, I, I need you to change something inside of me. I need you to, to do something to my heart. I need you to change me from the inside out. And, and we begin to rely on God's strength and God's, the leadership of God's Holy Spirit to, to help us to live a life that truly is loving him with all that we are, loving our neighbor as ourselves. Now with that, with, with that changed heart, then, then hear these words that uh, Moses says to them next. He says, now what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It's not up in heaven, so you have to ask, who will ascend to heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it? Nor is it beyond the sea, so you have to ask, who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it? No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart, so you may obey it. He's saying, you know what God says. You don't need to, like, climb a mountain or cross an ocean. He said, you've got it right here. You know what God wants. You can obey this. It's not too difficult. It's not beyond your reach. He says, see, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away, and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. I'm thinking uh, all of a sudden about students who are, you know, moving on, going other places, you know, people, as, as we grow up, as we have to make decisions, but not just students, all of us, as we reach these moments in our life where we kind of face decision time, you know, how am I going to live my life? How am I going to orient myself here in the world? Am I going to live along the grain of the universe that God created, or am I going to continue to push against the grain of this world? How am I going to live here in this world? How am I, what are my priorities going to be? Where's my affection going to be? What's my allegiance going to be as I, as I look ahead at life? And we face these choices. You know, I, I can choose to go down a road that leads to life and prosperity, or I can choose to go down a road that leads ultimately to death and destruction. And God is at work in each one of our lives. He, he will help us to, 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 to do what he wants us to do if we will walk that path. He will help us. And we have that choice. Uh, sometimes in the moment, uh, it's not entirely obvious, right? Sometimes in the moment, it says, well, this seems good. This seems fine. I don't see any problem with this, right? And it's not till later that we realize, like, oh, I was on a bad path there. You know, if I had listened to that wise advice, if I had, if I had looked up and looked ahead a little bit, if I tried to anticipate where this path might lead, I might have made a different choice. And this is what Moses is trying to do for them and what maybe God is trying to do for you today is to kind of look up a little bit and see where the path that you're on is headed. And to see, am I headed down a good path? Am I living in God's world the way God would have me to live in a way that's going to result in blessing? Or am I living in God's world in a way that I just want to live or that other people tell me to live? Who's directing my steps? Uh, which way am I headed? Am I headed toward blessing or am I headed toward curse? Am I headed toward life or am I headed toward death? He's, he continues, This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him for the Lord is your life. And he will give you many years in the land he swore to give your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, I, I present you with the same thing. God presents us with this choice. You know, are we going to choose life and blessings or are we going to choose death and curse? Yeah, it might seem overly simplistic. And yes, life doesn't always work out the way we think it should. And I can look forward to talking about that next week. But at the core, it's still true. You know, we find life. What did, how did he say it? The Lord is your life. Or as he said it a couple chapters later, as he's uh, getting close to the end, it says, when Moses finished reciting all these words to all Israel, he said to them, take to heart all the words I've solemnly declared to you this day, so that you may command your children to obey carefully all the words of this law. They are not just idle words for you. They are your 
life. By them, you will live long in the land you're crossing the Jordan to possess. I know that uh, my presentation of God's word each and every Sunday is, you know, it's hit or miss. You know, some Sundays it's like, yep, that was a, a single. Sometimes it's like, whoo, it's a home run. Some, some, some weeks I probably just kind of foul out or strike out or something, you know. Uh, but my hope is that as you encounter God's word, as you dig into it on your own, as our time together on Sunday helps, helps you encounter it maybe in a, in a different way or gives you a different angle to think about it from, my hope is that these won't just be idle words for you. Not, not that my words are your life. No, that God's words are your life. That by them, <laughs> we will find a good and blessed life as we trust the author, as we trust the God who loved us enough to, to inspire these scriptures and to preserve them for thousands of years down to the present day. It reminds me of what Jesus said at the end of his Sermon on the Mount after teaching people what to, what to make of the law and, and what it means to have a, a change from the inside out. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Life wasn't perfect, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Says, there are going to be storms in life. Man, if you've Listen to what I've said. If you put these words into practice, these, these words, if they're not just idle words to you but, you, but you put them into practice, if you live by them, man, there is a, there is a real blessing. There is, a, uh, there is an assurance. There is a, a confidence that you can walk through life with, knowing that God is with you. And that's something I want for each and every one of us. All right, let's bow our heads and let's pray before we celebrate communion together. Thank you, God. Thank you for loving us. Thank you uh, for these scriptures that you have inspired and that you have, have uh, preserved and that you continue to speak through today. God, Moses gave a, I guess, a pretty terrible as a pep talk, but it was, it was good to remind us that we do face choices in life. We are not just pushed around by other people or by life circumstances. You give us agency, God. And by your spirit at work within us, we have the opportunity to actually do what you call us to do. We don't do all this just by our own strength, but God, you are involved in the lives of every single person here. Everyone who hears these words that I'm saying right now, God, your Holy Spirit is at work in their life, giving them both the desire and the power to live a life pleasing to you. God, I pray that you would do that for each one of us, that you would help us to experience that as not just words, but as a truth in our life, that you will give us the desire to follow you, that you'll give us the want to, that you'll give us the, the desire to live a, a, a different kind of life, perhaps than the life we've been living up to this moment, a life of love, for others, a life that puts the needs of others first, a life that is lived in the flow of your gracious work in the world so that your grace can flow through us into the lives of others. Give us the want to, God. Give us the desire, and then give us the ability, give us the power to actually do it. Sometimes that will mean us uh, getting wisdom from you, sometimes just courage. But God, we trust that you can, in fact, make this uh, a viable option for us, that this can be uh, a real possibility in our lives, a different kind of life, because you are changing us from the inside out, because you are changing our hearts. Thank you, God. Today, we open ourselves to you and to the work you might want to do in us. We are, we are grateful, God, for this sacrament of holy communion. We offer to you these gifts of bread and juice. We pray that by your Spirit's presence with us, we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood, remembering the great price that you paid so that we could be set free from sin, 
set free from the fear of death so that we can trust you fully with all that we are. So we can follow your example, Lord Jesus, of loving God with everything and loving our neighbors as ourselves. Today we offer you ourselves. We offer you our hearts. We offer you our lives. God, we pray that you will do that work in us by your Holy Spirit so that we might be changed, so that we might live in this world as the body of Christ, as your hands and feet, as your sons and daughters, as people who carry your grace and your goodness to everyone you send us to. God, we admit today that this is a work of your grace. Uh, This is not something we have earned. We confess that we have not always loved you with our whole heart, soul, mind, strength. We've not always loved our neighbors as ourselves. We've not earned an invitation to your table. But you are gracious and you are good. You have compassion on us. You forgive our sins. You cleanse us. You wash us clean. Thank you, God, for the transforming work of your Holy Spirit that changes us even now, that helps us to become the people you created us to be. You are so good, and we are so grateful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The musicians are going to come and lead us in one last song as we celebrate communion together. I'll be here with a basket of bread and a cup of juice. And as we sing, you're invited to come forward, take bread from the basket, dip it in the juice and eat it, and then return to your seats. It's open to all of us who are saying yes to Jesus today. All of us who are hungry for his grace, who are eager for his help so that we can live a life that is, that is truly blessed. Uh, we've got the regular little pita bread. We've got the little round gluten-free wafers. And we've got the little individual cups here as well if you need one of those. Um, or if you can't join us up front, we've got those, I think, on most of the tables. And as we sing, you can peel it back and get to the bread and, and get to the juice and celebrate it with us there as well. So let's give him thanks uh, for doing what we could not uh, to set us free from sin and to give us true life.
Thank you again, God, for the great love you've shown us in your son, Jesus Christ. Fill us with the spirit of Christ, we pray, so that we might live in this world as the body of Christ, carrying your love and grace to those you send us to this week. You are so good. <laughs> Thank you, God. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.